0: This special episode of the Book Riot Podcast is sponsored by TryAudiobooks.com. Looking for something new to listen to? Penguin Random House Audio is always working hard to record new sci-fi audiobooks for you. And this year will not disappoint. We've got Star Wars, Life Aftermath, Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, the finale of the Passage Trilogy by Justin Cronin, the last book is out, City of Mirrors. There is something to satisfy any intergalactic preference. So go to TryAudiobooks.com. For a free audiobook and start listening. Thanks so much to them for sponsoring this very special episode. Welcome to a very special episode of Book Riot podcast. I am here with Jack Bird, who is this is his title, which might be the coolest title in all of Christendom. Um, the director of Wizard Muggle Relations for the HP Alliance. He'll tell us more about that is in a minute. But we're here to talk about Curse Child, and Jack is uh, works for a Harry Potter related organization, has his finger on the pulse of Harry Potter fandom, so he's also going to give us some insight of what's this, you know, what this this installment um, has done. Because I think is it fair to say that when Deathly Hallows came out, Harry Potter fandom hadn't quite become a th- the thing that it is now. Like, I feel like it, it's a much more mature. Rich, diverse kind of ecosystem—the Harry Potter fandom that the cursed child wades into—than we had with Deathly Hallows. Is that a fair assessment, or no?
1: Um, you know, it is a little different. I think, or you know, around 2007 when Deathly Hallows the book came out, that was definitely the height of the Harry Potter mm-hmm. fandom. Um, a lot of people called that like the summer of Potter. Uh, but definitely like a, a lot of the people who, you know, were a part of that were in high school yeah. or younger at the time. So I think it's just that a lot of us have grown up. Um, so it is, it is like kind of a, just a different vibe now.
0: Yeah. On the whole, I, I don't know what, what was your, we got, so, we got such dribs and drabs of information about this coming out, mm-hmm. what was your feeling go, I guess when we knew what it was going to be, that it was going to be a play that it was going to be a script that was published. Like, what? Where were you on your anxiety meter about this? Were you excited? <laughs> were you nervous? Were you both? Can you describe your sort of state of mind, I guess, August 30th before?
1: That? <laughs> uh, like uh, July 30th, I think, right? Yeah. Now it's August. But um, yeah. Oh, yeah, around, August.
0: Yeah, July 30th. <laughs> yeah, July
1: 30th, excuse me. Yeah, around July 30th, I think I was definitely nervous. I mean, when I first heard it, I thought it was cool because, uh, you know, Doing a play in the West End, I mean, that's awesome. That yeah. sounded like a very cool thing. And uh, I knew so many people wouldn't be able to go see it, including myself. So being able to, to publish a script that everyone would get to read sounded like a very, very cool thing to make it more accessible. Um, but certainly as the play opened and some things started spreading around, some spoilers about what might be in it, then I started getting pretty nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And is, is this, uh are we going spoiler free or not? No, I, I think
0: if you do not want spoilers, you got to get out. Sorry, we'll yeah. see you later. Talk to you later. I think, I think. well, is there anything we can do without spoilers before we go into it? I mean, it's very hard to say what, without yes. getting into it. It doesn't matter. I mean, I guess anything else about the form, the timing, where we are. I mean, I guess well, that, that, even saying that's a spoiler. So I don't know, even know what we can say that's a spoiler. Oh, you know, the other thing is the, you know, we're a transitional phase too in Harry Potter fandom two, where it's like, this is a, a rolling story, but it's written yeah. by somebody else. Um, yes. which is also interesting. I don't know what to make of it. I was sort of joking in the book right back channels. This is like a James Patterson move, right? Like you, you can publish <laughs> another thing that has your characters and has your imprint on it, but you didn't actually, you know, type the words and work with your editor. I'm sure she was involved and we don't really even know those details. I don't think like how much in the muck was she with John Tiffany and Jack Thorne? Like I'm looking at my title right now. It says yeah. like the typography is based on original news story by JK Rowling in big titles, John Tiffany and Jack Thorne in smaller titles with the ampersand below them, which means Tiffany and Thorne work together. I know that little bit from my, uh, my friends who do screenplays and stuff. And then mm-hmm. under that it says a new play by Jack Thorne. So it's like, it's like weirdly confusing and <laughs> transparent about, I guess that's the thing is that it's, it's a big mess. Um,
1: Yeah. In terms of authorship. I think transitional is the right way to put it. And that's a lot of how I've been thinking about it because, you know, you look at other, uh, stories, like whether it's, you know, L. Frank Baum wrote like 14 Oz books. Mm -hmm. And then there's a bunch of like 50, like authorized ones by other people. Or when you have like the authorized novels, part of like Star Trek or Star Wars or Dr. Who, James Bond. Um, uh, Yeah. There's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. Tons, tons of different franchises. Um, and this is kind of the first one that we have of that. So it's, you know, it feels a little bit weird because they made such a big deal about it, mm. about it coming out. Like, you know, the, the, they were very specific, Scholastic was at least, that you weren't allowed to call it a new book. It had to be the new story. But they were still doing everything that they do with midnight release parties, like, to make it feel like it was the next Harry Potter They book. printed
0: four and a half million copies. They, they, <laughs> yeah. they, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's a little bit of having your cake and eating it,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's it's sort of like, you know, I think... It's totally natural for Harry Potter to be moving in that direction where we're going to start having these, like, authorized books from mm-hmm. other authors. Um, and I think after this, subsequent ones will have such a big deal with publicity yeah. around them. And this one just feels weird because it is the first
0: one. Like a Harry Potter EU, almost. I mean, to use Star yeah. Wars, like an ex- extended universe. And, and it works. It. It's actually... You know, you think about it. And it's it's weird to live through one of these um, transitions from the original author into the expanded universe into new books, and because that's it's it's there's it's actually more the rule than the exception that it happens this way, yeah. Um, right? Because like the the one exception is really the Hobbit, the the the, the Tolkien stuff. Like there there weren't a, there's a no they've gone through his like bathroom and all of his old stuff to find other stories to publish, but there hasn't been an authorized middle earth story written by somebody else. Like this just hasn't been out there. But for virtually you know, Star Wars, you, you mentioned all the you know the big fandoms. This is what happens when there's that much attention and this much excitement and this much continued interest, whether the author is still alive or not, they get sick of it. I mean, even, even Conan Doyle didn't want to watch Sherlock Holmes anymore. But the, the fan outcry was so great, he had to bring him back yeah. to life and do that. So <laughs> it, it's weird to live through it. But from a historical basis, this is this is normal, which is weird to say. Like, this is how it works. It, now, it doesn't take this particular form necessarily, but that we get transition, and we're here for the transition is so so interesting. Okay, so that's all we can say without getting into spoilers. Um, <laughs> what were you hoping for? What was your best case scenario for this going in?
1: I think my best case scenario was um, I didn't want anything happening to, like, existing characters that I think was maybe to sort of wild and crazy, or maybe any major character deaths, or uh, personality
0: changes, or allegiance yeah, switches, or anything like
1: exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Um, I since we're we're going spoiler free. Yeah. I did see a couple of spoilers uh, when previews of the show started. I thought that they were fake because they just sounded so ridiculous. I was like, okay, these are clearly just people making jokes because spoilers have been released. But no, they were true. Mm. And the one that really got me was someone saying that uh, Cedric Diggory became a Death Eater. Mm. Which when you read it, it's like, all right, sort of in this one alternate universe, yes, but not really. Uh, And that was just sort of like, when I saw that spoiler, I was like, that was sort of, I think, the example of the thing I most wanted not to happen. Right. Yeah. But it it
0: didn't... There's so – okay, now we're really – we're going to get into it now. Because, like, there's so many – I don't know. Like, it does stand apart from the other series. I think that's one thing that I was super curious to wonder. Like, is it – does it stand apart? Does it stand as next in line? And it sort of just sits outside of the books. Because yeah. you get to the end, and nothing's really changed um, by the end of Kirsch, unless I'm forgetting something. Like, we're kind of – we're kind of – we are the, – the the pieces are in place – well, largely are the when they're into the books. I mean, I guess Curse Child picks up largely where, you know, the all is well epilogue of Deathly House is, and then you mm-hmm. sort of follow the kids for a few years into there. But then once you're at the Curse Child, we're sort of, we've reset the story where nothing's really changed, all the main characters alive, all the main relationships are largely as we've left them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get a little bit of stuff about the, the second generation's relationships and the weirdness, but on the whole... The timeline is intact. Do I have that right? Does that feel right to you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we definitely do get a little bit more information about the next generation, which I know in the Harry Potter fandom, like the next generation, like the kids, there's that's like a whole sub-fandom. Right. And I think yeah, they're yeah. a little upset that we didn't get quite as much information or just, you know, like we re- you, you were saying at the start, like how does this book relate to canon? Like yeah. do people consider it part of the canon or not? Um, and so then you have all of these extra details about, you know, the, the main trio as adults and their kids, whether or not to consider canon. But yeah, it does kind of, especially because it just does so so much time travel. Uh, <laughs> that was, I think, maybe a convenient thing. I mean, maybe that's what they were going for, is they they wanted to not disturb the universe as much as they could. So they were able to do the time travel and multiple like alternate universe elements so that they could have fun in all the directions they wanted, but then at the end, just tie it up nice in a bow and leave it mostly undisturbed.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because... I- the thing I keep coming back to with this is why tell this story? Like, on an yeah. emotional level, on a psychological level, like, what is this story doing? I, I have my own sense of it, but I like to hear first what do you have this like? Because Rowling said, I, I followed the. I was more interested in sort of the the wind up in a way of what she was saying, why she was doing. It. And she said, you know, they came with this idea. I thought it was a story worth telling, and I'm still sort of. I have to say. Uh, a, uh mystified about the the desire to tell this story do you, do you have a sense of why I tell this story
1: no i you know i i do think that it's interesting to see harry's kid and see yeah. sort of, you know the the relationship there seeing harry as a dad um, especially as we see you know like we see the pressures that his kids have with his mm-hmm. fame and then you know i think the growth of their relationship is interesting too, as as you know the audience sees. Oh, you know he's not actually the misfit kid; he's actually the most like Harry of them all. So like all of that is is interesting. Um, but you know I, I personally like I. If we get any extra content, I have always wanted to like go back and see the Marauders. Yeah. Or like I think a lot of people want to see a lot of those earlier eras. Like people are really excited for Fantastic Beasts because we're going to see like earlier. Wizarding mm-hmm. Um and I yeah, I it's kinda has stumped me this whole time, like why they chose this. And maybe again it is just that they sort of didn't want to disturb existing canon at yeah. least as much as they could.
0: Right, because if it's not about plot, then it has to be about psychology. It's definitely or, not about plot. It's not about but... plot. I mean it's <laughs> the, the plot is I found and as a play at times very difficult to follow. Um yeah. and you have time travel plus polyjuice. I mean, that's like a confundus charm on me as a reader. Like, I don't know who is who and where are we. And that,
1: are... that though, did feel a bit Shakespearean, you know, where like the yeah. gag is just that you have an actor playing another character. Ha ha ha. Right. Like,
0: and they get to well, kiss Hermione and it's her nephew or whatever, you know, like it, that. But kind that of was, stuff. so that was weird. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was strange. And so I guess the characters we meet and we, we really get to know in any meaningful way are Albus and Scorpius. Um, and I guess that's, and then, and then we get this other Voldemort's kid character, um which we don't really know she's you know it's the cla- it's it's the it's the transposition of the dark arts teacher, right It's sort of the villain of the the installment that you know looks like a friend at first and gets turned but we actually don't know about, much about her, so really the stars of the show, in terms of new content, new characterizations are Albus and Scorpius mm-hmm. um how how did you find them? How did you find the relationship their struggles what what was your reaction to them?
1: Oh, I mean, I, I really liked them, you know, getting to see two little emo kids like <laughs> <the> <laughs> yeah, same yeah. was pretty great. Uh, I have heard a lot of reaction from the fan community, though, about queer baiting with mm. the two. Of them. Because, I mean, there there are times when it's it's pretty overt. There was
0: one point I was like, it's almost weirder that they didn't kiss. I don't yes. remember the scene. I was like, okay, it, it's like well, set up yeah. and then they pull back. And I'm like, that yes. was, I, I don't know, like. I, I, maybe I, I I had a weird expectation, but it just felt like oh this this is how she's going to do, it. and it felt natural and right in the the context yeah. of the story. So,
1: well, I mean, I was so I read the first about fifty pages just out loud with a bunch of my friends. Oh, interesting! And, and from some of the very early pages, we were like, oh, they're totally together, right? And then mm. we were like, man, we're pretty sure that they would never do that like in a Harry Potter play or like we would have heard about it by this point, but like they've got to be right. And then, yeah, I think the the point you might be talking about is ar- around halfway through or at some point, uh, they start like awkwardly hugging or being yeah. like, when did we start hugging? And that's like <laughs> right. a great thing as right. they continue growing up of just like being awkward about hugging. But then it's like, it's, it's kind of like, um, and then Scorpius well, gives an saying, extra
0: line or something like, Oh, here we go. And it just, it didn't happen. It was, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it. it, it uh, sorry, I, I know the term queer baiting. I don't know how much other people. Do you want to give us a ninety second synopsis of what that phrase? What kind of like?
1: Yeah, and rhetorical I mean, you move able, that is. You might be able to do it more justice, but it's sort of um, from my experience, like what it is is when it, it's it especially hurts a little bit when um, the writers or you know showrunners or whatever know that the fandom. Uh, would really go for having yeah. a queer relationship it's something that they like you know have in fan fiction and stuff a lot and so they'll sort of they'll do it a little bit as if they they think that's going to be fan service but then they'll very overtly make sure no these characters are heterosexual so yeah. like a great example would be in um uh, civil war the right. avengers movie that just came out you know there's so much about steve and bucky being in a relationship and you know you totally could see that a bit uh, but then they just had this like uh, they had Captain America make out with this one female character while Bucky was watching, and right. then got a good old "Oh yeah, bro, that yeah, was great!" No, kind of God, yeah. and it just like it didn't even it felt so non sequitur, like just did not even fit into the script. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's just things like that where it's like, you know, the way you've built these characters, they really could be going in this direction, and then they kind of push it even further that way because they know that's what fans want. But no, they could never actually be queer. So we're gonna show you they're still heterosexual.
0: Yeah, so it's a little bit like I don't know, getting the cake or have it too, but like a a wink but a wink and a beer can crush on the forehead or something. Like <laughs> there's some sort of weird it's a weird that's rhetorical it. move, it's a weird cultural move. Yeah. And this even went so far as it's a surprise. it felt a little strange that there wasn't a, a romantic relationship at the end and again I'm not I, I don't have a strong opinion about what she should or shouldn't have done but even, even I who you know I, I'm not susceptible to queer beating because it's not my community it's not my fandom necessarily but I was like oh I'm ready for it and here we go and we sort of walk back from the line to the point that it did feel b- very strange um yeah anyway so there's that I mean in a lot of ways, I like guess one way I thought about it too is it's 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 this this parents and child stuff yeah. uh, is the the theme of this play for sure. Uh, it's between Amos and Cedric, um, between Voldemort and I can't remember the the woman Delphi, Delphi um, between Draco um, and Scorpius, between Albus and Harry, um, pa- fathers and sons especially, um, some fathers and daughters. And we're back to the old, we're back to that, which is, you know, Harry Potter itself is about, and I'm I'm not sure what we got that was different, that we, that what was different about, yeah, parents are, like, parent-child relationships are tough. (laughs) I I, I don't know what we got. I don't know what we learned about Harry, necessarily. I thought it was clever that Albus is, like, he's like a squib and a half, sort of. Like, he's not great at being a wizard, like he is okay um but you know it takes him a while for his magic to show up i didn't even know that was a thing i'm not sure if that was something that known um but he's struggling himself you know scorpius is the one that tries to connect him to the wider community um that even even the even someone like harry who struggled as a, a kid still didn't have the tools to like understand what his own kid was going through um that was interesting what about, go, what, what about the time travel? I don't well, know, yeah. like an interesting MacGuffin, I guess. And you're right, it does allow them to have a pocket universe of a kind.
1: Yeah. Um, Basically, you know, with, with all the, the relationships between the, the parents and the kids and the time travel, I, I think they really just wanted to write a Harry Potter Back to the Future crossover fanfic. Mm. That's really what we have here. <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right.
0: Because you need the right time turner and it only goes five minutes and there's a lot of constraints to let them do what they did. Um, and, you know, again, we go back to Godric's Hollow on, on, on Hollow's Eve, you know, the, I, I guess the big bang moment of the Harry Potter universe as we know it when Harry Potter's parents get killed. I want, do you have a sense? Why are we going back there again? Like, is there still something to get out of that? Like, what, what are we, What are we trying to do with this time? they could have if they're using a time turner, you can tell any st- version of the story. You can go back to any point in the time yeah. right you could you could really go back to parts when they're at the you know the golden trio at Hogwarts. you could go any time. Why do you think we want to go back there? Do you have a sense of that i I'm mystified to be honest
1: Well, I guess especially once you throw Delphi into the mix, like that is kind of the moment for all of these like parent child relationships, mm-hmm. you know because that is when Harry loses his parents, right. and then also when Delphi lost her father. So oh, right, because Bellatrix you know. is pregnant at that point. Right, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I guess that would be why. But yeah, I mean, even within the book, they it's not the first thing that occurs to them when Albus and Scorpius kind of go missing in time. They're mm-hmm. like, just hey, he couldn't be anywhere in time. Where did they go?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that was interesting too. And I guess, I guess in a way to make a pocket universe... There really is no hook for. You're not expecting another story once you're done with this play, right? You know, like you're not there's no there's no real are there any loose ends? Do, do we get any loose ends or anything that would that would let us think there's something that needs to be resolved? I can't think of anything.
1: No, I can't think of any either. I definitely didn't. Yeah, I, it was very much a closed book when I when I finished it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because it's it's parts 1 and 2 and there's definitely a cliffhanger between the the parts, but when you get to the mm-hmm. end it's it's very much a all was well, we know what's going on here thing. Um,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, and that that's a big part of it too, is like remembering that it is a play. Um, yeah. Which it sounds so silly to say, like, like you're like placating for me to say, but you know, like I think a lot of, reading a lot of the stage directions, some of the characterization, a lot of the hokey jokes, you know, they're things that go over well yeah. on stage, not yeah. as much reading them. And so you kind of have to remember that because, you know, everyone that I've heard from who has seen it, has talked about, oh, the acting is amazing, the set design is gorgeous, like, okay, the plot is a little weird, but overall, they're just, like, completely love it, like, Harry Potter fans and non-fans alike who have seen it. This I've is heard the I'm- same thing, that yeah.
0: that people really like it, and I, and I guess I haven't even said, and you have it either, like, did we like the, are we <laughs> And I mean, it's kind of telling, right, because I am I have to say, I'm of both, I have two minds about it. Yeah. it while I was reading it, I there was parts of it I really enjoyed. There's parts of it I rolled my eyes kind of hard at. There were parts of it I found frustrating, and it gave me a lot. Of, I mean, it gave me a lot of the things I like about Harry Potter, and also a lot of the things I don't like. I mean, it gave me some of the things that you know, some of the tropes. You know, you know, I was joking on Twitter. I said they can't they can you know, install some sort of shrub at the Ministry of Magic that detects polyjuice potion. Like, <laughs> it seems like we have we have the technology. Um, but but on the whole, I guess. I'm not conflicted. I'm not torn, necessarily. I'm just sort of of two minds about it. it. It doesn't, for sure, for me, affect how I feel about the the original books. Is that? Is that do, you, do you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. And I think, yeah, I mean, my opinion is almost identical to yours, and I think the fan community is pretty similar. There's, you know, I think a lot of the people who have been particularly upset by it are the same ones who don't like uh, all the extra information being shared on Pottermore Mm -hmm. or from J.K. Rowling's Twitter. Um, You know, I think it goes back to what we were saying before, there's just like a separate canon now. Like you discuss Harry Potter, like are you including, is it just the seven books canon? Are you including movie canon? Are you including Pottermore canon? Um, that's just like the world that we live in now, which I personally like. Give me all the Harry Potter right. content I yeah, want. It yeah, all. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mind too. I don't need bright lines between what's canon and not canon myself. And I can imagine probably those same people that are f- most frustrated. With this would probably be most set- frustrated if there were Harry Potter eight, like there were a new book. I'm sure they probably like the some sense of closure about these are our books, these are the movies. For this set of the story, and you know they are what they you know like a Middle Earth kind of. however you think about some other stuff to the side, but you know it's a it's a fixed set. And um, any ambiguity there it makes makes it for a difficult thing. Like in terms of, there's a lot of plot here that gets wiped away by sort of the t- the time travel. But in terms of the actual new canon on the sort of main timeline, we don't get much. There's not much that goes on. Like they're old. Albus and Scorpius are older their friends, I guess they're slightly better integrated into the Hogwarts community than at the beginning. But other than that, we don't learn anything new about Harry. I mean, I guess we know what their jobs are, but it yeah. tells us very well, little about that.
1: N- knowing Hermione's Minister of Magic is pretty rad.
0: That is cool. thats that, yeah. that You're right. That's probably the biggest detail that we get, right? Is that she's become Minister of Magic.
1: I think so, because I think that's like the one that I've well, I'm no here. The, the best new canon we learned is, if we want to consider it, that is uh, the Trolley Witch and her. Oh, abilities. the Trolley! Yes, <laughs> I forgot that about is, that. that. That was not in an alternate universe. That no, like, hey, that one is just set in
0: stone. That is in the I don't know prime timeline. The Trolley yeah. Witch, right? That she <laughs> yeah. that she is a basically almost like a dementor of just the train i guess sort of right <laughs> like her job is to keep you on the train um, mm-hmm. and and to stay there that's true that's that's a, that's a wrinkle in the, the the wizarding world that we get but ron what's ron do again do you so remember he works,
1: yeah he works at fred and george's shop right just- so
0: he inherits the shop where he works for them he's a middle manager there uh-huh. harry is in uh he's Magical law enforcement. magical law enforcement, right.
1: Basically, I, I love there's like a, a Tumblr post somewhere that's like, Harry Potter was a jock who grew up to be a cop. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Became a, or a mid-level functionary, like a, a state senator or something almost like that. Okay. Um, so, and we get, we get the band back together. Like we get all the major characters. We get Snape, we get Voldemort, you know, even in cameos. Mm-hmm. Anyone we didn't see that you would like to have seen? Yes, Teddy Lupin. Ah. I wanted yes. all
1: I love Teddy Lupin. And you know, of course we only have a couple lines about him in the epilogue, but he seems like such a cool kid. Right. And probably
0: maybe the most I mean, if we're thinking parent child as being one of the prime vectors of, you know, emotional <laughs> plotting, he's got scores to settle. Seriously,
1: uh, yeah. I mean I hadn't even that hadn't even occurred to me. But yeah, I mean, if we're like going through all of the next generation and parent child problems, yeah. I there is so much from time travel that would have been fascinating to have him on. on right.
0: Plate. Yeah. Cause like no one probably would be as mad. I mean, if you know, kind of the people being mad at Harry Potter storylines tough. I mean, even Amos Diggory being mad at Harry, I'm not sure, you know, it's her story, well, whatever, but I, I don't know if I emotionally believe that.
1: I, well, don't know. I mean, I, what, what I sort of considered was him being, upset at Harry about all of that was part of the confundus charm the Delphi brought. Oh right. Yes. You're right. So like him contacting the ministry and everything about that, I think was Delphi doing that. Ah, that
0: actually makes a lot more sense to me. But on the other hand, you could definitely see Teddy Lupin. Yeah. Having some conflicted feelings, you know, um, Ron, you know, against Scorpius and Albus and Lily and Rose and everybody, like all of those people whose, whose parents are alive and around and, um, functioning in the world. Um, was interesting. I I have to say the stuff with Scorpius was interesting. We got a lot of family drama in the Malfoy household. Um Mm. and I and I can't remember you help me remember Draco's wife's name that that we were that dies. She gets sick and dies.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it was was it Astoria or no that is that maybe another character? There is an Astoria in the series. There isn't a
0: story. Anyway, Draco's wife, um, Scorpio's mother, we learn, gets sick and dies of something, uh, on the, and which was another interesting wrinkle um, to parse out. I don't know why that was. We got that for Scorpius' timeline uh, or his backstory, but we got some information about that. Um, we also got. And and I've only read it the one time. I kind of wanted to have first blush, and I'm gonna go, probably go read it back again a couple times. We did get something going on with, you know, Harry's getting reports of like the trolls are in the move in Transylvania or whatever. Like things were happening, and we're supposed to think that's just all Delphi's machinations, like she's trying to get the band back together to some degree. Is that what we were trying to understand?
1: Yeah, I mean that was my take on it. Anyways, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but other than that. Other than Delphi, our sense of the wizarding world is pretty peaceful, right? Like yeah. when we step right back into the story, uh, it, even Delphi is going on and there's a very small plot, but the larger wizarding world is at peace, it seems yep. to me. There's not, there's not a whole lot going on there. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what else is interesting because so much of it just gets wiped <laughs> away that it's hard to know what's worth talking about
1: yeah absolutely um i'm I'm slipping through trying to find the name of Draco's wife because it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna bother, gonna me. bother me too
0: um yeah i should,
1: she, she's not in the cast of characters no
0: she's not in the cast of characters and in, I don't think she is. makes an appearance on the stage at all um so no. which she would be she would be in the cast of characters
1: does he even mention her name maybe it doesn't even mention no, her name I, I'm pretty sure he does he does yeah well, yeah uh oh well someone someone will correct us and send it yeah <laughs> well I guess
0: I guess even on the main timeline, though, it's canon now that Baltimore and Bellatrix had a kid, right? Because that still exists.
1: I think so, it, which it, is... Super yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that's part of, you know, the, with the fan reception being a, a, little, a little iffy, I think it just felt like there were a couple of things um, that they chose to do in this, in this script that seemed like things J.K. Rowling was never going to touch. Yeah, Um, you know, like she's talked a lot about Bellatrix, um, yeah, being an unrequited love, Mm -hmm. and about Voldemort being incapable of love. Which, of course, they didn't have to love each other to have a child, right? But like, you know, my perception of Voldemort is just that he never would have fathered a child. That's not something he would have ever done. Yes. Um, Yeah, and and if that did happen, I think I would have wanted to explore it a little bit more. Like, was that part of him trying, like, just trying to be more immortal by having his like heir? Air- yeah,
0: right, right, right. <laughs> the the kid is a Horcrux, the eighth Horcrux or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because, and again, I, I'm not super good at canonical timeline, but Bellatrix dies in the Battle of Hogwarts at the end. So yep. presumably she had a kid sometime before that? Mm-hmm. She gave, and no one, knew, uh, anyway, that's 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 all canon now, though. I mean, that's part of, or that's part of the main timeline. In terms of the alternate timeline, I never know what to make of alternate universe, pocket universe, time travel stuff. I, I guess it's fun. I guess it makes for you get to do what ifs. I was never a big fan of what if comics and things like that. I, you know, that's, I, I don't begrudge the right to exist. Not my thing particularly, but some of the chart, I mean, some of the strongest criticism I've seen has been it's glorified fan fiction, which is, I think yeah. is worth talking about to some degree because that, A, people are using that, I think, as an insult. I don't think their meaning is a compliment and then kind of investigating what people mean when they mean glorified fan fiction. What, what do you understand someone to say when they when they call this glorified fan fiction?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I first of all, I definitely recommend Elizabeth Minkle wrote a great piece um, in, in response to a lot of people saying that about the Chris Child, just about sort of some of the internalized shame around saying that yes. and seeing fanfic a bit as an insult. Because a lot, you know, you do hear it from some people who don't really understand fan fiction, but you hear that a lot from people uh, who do write fan fiction. And so, you know, that, that is a whole thing unto itself, but I, you know, I've been saying myself, I heard a lot of people saying like when it came out, like the morning after when we had, mm-hmm. I, I was at GeekyCon con, uh, oh, right. it came out there. We had a big midnight release party and everyone was trying to continue reading it while we finished up the conference. So of course everyone was talking about, it, it was kind of great to be surrounded by like a thousand other yeah, definitely. fans reading it. Um, and everyone was just like, yeah, I'm I'm fine with how weird it is because it's fan fiction. They're like they mm. just that's how they accepted it. Was just saying that it is fan fiction because it is fan fiction. I mean, I don't know how big of a fan Jack Thorne was, but it, it is fan fiction. And oh, it's like excellent
0: point, very yeah. good point.
1: Yeah, you know, I, it's like we were talking about earlier with uh, you know authorized novelizations in, in other franchises where you, you know fans are frustrated with those as well. Where it's yeah. like. Okay, there's this thing that was like authorized to be written. That's actually not even as good as the fanfiction that I read about it. <laughs> um, and that's that's exactly I think kind of the the complaint, or or just like yeah, it's like you're you're reading this, and I definitely had the experience of like there's so much next generation fanfic out there. I'm positive there's a bunch that's like similar or like better written better characterizations better plot Mm -hmm. um but this is the one that that got published and promoted as essentially the next harry potter right
0: yeah because like the the pejorative use of fan fiction i think implies it's not good a whatever Mm -hmm. you're and then also it's sort of indulgent and fan servicey right like yeah there's those are the sort of i think the three vectors of critique and you can kind of see how that i mean Getting to see, you know, AU and when Hermione and Ron don't get together is kind of a fan – like, you know, that kind of thing. What if someone kisses X? What if someone had a baby with – a lot of this Yeah, a, lot this thing, a baby. Very, yeah, that's a very, very fan, like a thing, fan fiction right? thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, because fan fiction often follows a couple of lines of reasoning. Like, what if X got together instead of Y? You know, what if X and Y had a kid? What if, you know, what if A died and B lived? You know, sort of these – and so the time turner allows you to have this sort of, this little pocket universe that goes into it. And I, the more, I, the more I realize, the more I'm okay, I'm okay, okay is the wrong word. I was going to be fine no matter what it was like, but it does, it does exist alongside of and apart, but still related to the main storyline. And I guess for something where we knew it was going to be a standalone story, we, I don't think we were expecting that it was going to be the first in, of three or 12 or whatever, I guess that's what you want, that it can stand aside. You don't have to have seen it to know the story. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to go have gone and seen it to see the story. But it does set up the possibility, I guess, and, and and there were the possibilities over there that we'll get an announcement that there's a new Harry Potter Wizarding World novel that's written by somebody else. Yeah. Um, do you follow I, – I follow – her career a little bit. Do you have a sense of her if she would let someone have, like what's the, or what's the fan community's, you know, kind of sense of what the future of new content in the Harry Potter world is? I know we get the fantastic Beasts, which Beast, which she's supposedly writing the screenplays in the way that yeah. any one person writes a screenplay. Right. Um, that's next. But then... You know, if this is transition, what is the other, what's on the other side of the transition? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Do you have a sense of where we might be going or, or speculation about where we might be going here?
1: I mean, my, my speculation is more of this. As far as like someone else writing the novel, I feel like she might be a little bit more protective of Okay. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I don't know, like her writing style is so unique and she cares so much about this universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, I've been a little bit surprised about this whole play. Um, yeah. You know, like that she did allow other people to write it. And I think that's just because it was a play. Yeah. Um, Gave herself permission to su- let
0: someone else in maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I think with other mediums, like maybe there will be other movies that she doesn't write the screenplay for. Maybe there will be other plays. Um, I would definitely be surprised if she let someone else write another book. Yeah. Um, at least another novel. Like I think she would maybe authorize someone doing that encyclopedia. She's always talked about doing. Right. Happen now that there's Pottermore. Yeah, definitely.
0: That's interesting. Cause she clearly doesn't mind writing. She's writing a screenplay. She's writing books under her own name and under pseudonyms. Like it's not that she's so burned out about writing and it does seem like she's still interesting in the world, but there's some, there's some gap between her desire to continue exploring the world and writing prose herself, you know, in a blank word processing document. She doesn't seem to want to do that for whatever reason, which I think is super fascinating. I mean, just from from being a spectator, where you you're at the you know you have this enormous franchise, which is now you know Western and global culture. She's still young, um, and what do you do with that? I I I can imagine being it being very hard to know how to marshal all that attention and energy, and money and interest. Um, it seems very difficult, and it seems like she's exploring ways of doing it and being. J.Q. Rowling and being the one who made Harry Potter.
1: Uh, Yeah I mean I I think that's exactly it you know I can't imagine the pressure to do a book that really is the next Harry Potter book even if it's not like the next in the timeline but just like another novel in that universe written by her like must be enormous pressure and so I think it's probably a little bit freeing to be able to explore uh, these other media of of, of doing the story. And you get help
0: you know. And and
1: get help and just sort of like you know if If those aren't received very well, then you can kind of say, oh, well, it's because it was a play or, oh, well, it's because it was another movie instead of like having to have this eighth novel that there's so much pressure on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I I guess that's in terms of plot that doesn't give us a lot for for the canon and Harry Potter fandom. But in in terms of a signal about where we're going, I think it tells us a lot. And I'm not sure exactly what it tells us, but I think in 10, 15 years, we'll be like, oh, okay. I can see there's a line from this to this, to this, Mm -hmm. um, how she explores it on the whole. I'm glad it exists. I I'd say is my final, my final, not my final, but for now my provisional (laughs) verdict. Um,
1: I think, I think think that's a a similar reaction from the fan community. I think, you know, me personally, what I've heard from a a lot of other folks is we were excited to have the midnight book release party again, even if it's a little different, like Cursed Child, more than anything, will always hold a place in my heart for uh, the experience of that evening of there, especially just like at GeekyCon, there were so many people oh, who, yeah. who had been like too young the last mm. time a, a book release came out or hadn't been involved with the fan community, had just sort of been, you know, gone with their families to the book release. It was just, it felt a lot like bringing back the old gang and getting everyone together again to have this big party and stay up all, all night reading it together. Um, so it was a very special experience, I think, for the Potter generation um, who got to kind of do – have that experience on their own terms being grown up now.
0: Yeah, and because in, the, in terms of other franchises, I mean, in the book world, the next big one will be the next George R. R. Martin book. But it doesn't yeah. have – the books are so long. There's so many of them. You know, there's not, it's not as popular, even as popular as now. I don't know. I bet there will be midnight release parties, but it won't have the same sort of exuberance, I don't think, even though we're midstream with that. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't have another Hunger Games. You know, the no. Divergent thing is over. Um, mm-hmm. there, are, there are ongoing series that are very good, but something that's a pop culture phenomenon that's a book bookish origin, we don't have one. And so this is an opportunity to sort of have that experience. In a lot of ways, it feels a bit of like a, a narrative curtain call for the series, um, where we got to see people again and take a bow and applaud and be excited about it. But we also know there's not, there's not another act um, coming right out. And and Rowling has said, and you know, never trust you you can never, you can never know when a creator is saying something like this is it. But she sort of said, this is the end of Harry's story for me um, Mm -hmm. out loud. And that feels right. And I can see why she's saying that right now. And I'm, You know, if she ever decides to write something else, I don't think anyone should be like, well, but you said, I mean, whatever. Life is long and get over it. But um, it does feel like a coda uh, yeah, in a way to to, to put a cap on it.
1: And it does also sort of feel like, at least in terms of what we're going to get officially from her, this is sort of as much as you need to get from Harry. Like the rest of his life is fine. He has a little bit of trouble raising his kid like everyone else does, and it's fine. But there's so much more to explore in the wizarding world. So I do really, really hope that we get some more stuff. Written by J.K. Rowling. I mean, we've got at least two Fantastic B screenplays she's written. Right. Um, I'd love to see more. I still, oh man, my biggest, biggest wish for Harry Potter is I want a, like, Game of Thrones structure mm. uh, of Harry Potter, Marauders era, preferably. Very but interesting. Even, even just going through the seven books, like a TV show that does, like, a season or more per book, like, yeah. just ethically long.
0: Yes, I, I would get there, I would be there, I would, I mean, I think a, a lot of us would. And I yeah. guess, when, in our heart of hearts, I wonder, you know, those of us who consider us a p- fans of Harry Potter, will pick up the new book, we'll pick it up. Would we even really want, like, in our heart of hearts, do we want another seven-book cycle about the same three characters as the main characters?
1: No, I don't think so. I, don't, I, I, I think, think we don't, right? I don't, I don't think we want that. that. Of yeah. the Wizarding World, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's... I guess we want, you know, The Force Awakens, sort of, or, like, whatever yeah. that, that, you know, maybe you see an appearance of grizzled Hermione or whatever, you know, in <laughs> a cave somewhere with a bunch of trinkets. I don't know. But in my heart of hearts, I guess I really don't want 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and a seven-book series <laughs> of Harry Potter and these guys. But I would take, yeah, something like you said, you know, like, I would take a deep dive into some other piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think if anything, the cursed child told me that. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like I.
1: No, and I, I agree. I hadn't really realized it until you put it that way. But I totally agree.
0: It's like in, because if to be a seven book saga, it's going to be Sturm and drong and angst and pain and I sort of don't want that. I, I do want as 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 much as it, it might be sentimental. Let me say the all is well to have been a real all is well. Um, yeah, at the if end the of most that book
1: interesting thing we could get from Harry's future life is like his kid going back in time yes like manufacture exciting things then no I don't I don't need to hear more from Harry I'm happy for him to have a happy ever after
0: yeah and the question I guess we don't know and we'll get out on this is I guess what we'll learn from fantastic beats if we learn anything is how much juice is there in the world without characters that we know yeah you know how much yeah. are we going to be? I mean, at the end, I guess coming out of the first Fantastic Beats movie, Beats, I keep wanting to say Beats, which would be, a I guess, a movie about hip hop. I, <laughs> I, uh,
1: I actually made a joke about that. I do a, a YouTube series called Will It Waffle, and I yes. had a live show at GeekyCon where I, uh, Will Beats Waffle yeah. <laughs> in, honor. in honor of the upcoming movie Fantastic Beats and where to find them.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll find out, like, how much of the story is these characters? Because I think that's another thing that gets overlooked is, like, so much of our affection for the movie is this set of characters aligned in this certain way. Does the world hold up if we don't get in? That's, that's the next big question I think for Harry Potter fandom. Do you think so?
1: That is, yeah. I mean, that is another thing I heard from the fan community. One element that was missing from the cursed child was that fantastic, uh, like the, the great characters that we see, but it's not, so much just the characters we love rather it is kind of jk rowling's way of writing characters Mm -hmm. and how dynamic she makes them and how in-depth they are which was lacking a little bit from cursed child and i bet it's i bet it's much better on on stage when you have actors performing it that you can feel that connection to um and so given that we'll have actors doing it we'll have jk rowling actually writing it for fantastic beasts i hold out hope but i do you know i know i keep harping on it but like this is why i think something like marauders era would be Mm. smart than going back to Newt Scamander, who we don't really, you know, we have, yeah, the, what the connection do we that. have
0: to that? Yeah, yeah,
1: so it's, it's going to be all new characters that we've never heard of before or just heard of in passing versus other characters that we do have connections to and exploring more of what we know about them, which is more of what I would prefer to see. Um, but Fantastic Beast does look like it's going to be pretty fun, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, the last trailer, I think it's going to be a, a great, it's going to be beautiful, it looks beautiful already, like that Art yeah. Deco New York style, um, you know, and a. Kind of a disjunction between that and sort of the witches and wizards aesthetic of a, you know, the hardcore diagonality or something like that would be interesting. I think, I think we've covered it. Anything else that you got a burning desire to talk about? Uh, any, any uh, idiosyncratic reactions or favorite parts or things that bothered you? <laughs> uh,
1: well, I, I did like two things. One, uh, the fact that they used the word melting so much in every time it was like in a weird way. That was
0: strange.
1: Know. Yeah. yeah. Like as a stage direction, or like talking about other people, it was very, it was very, very strange. And um, my favorite line, I'll just read out. Yeah, let's it's hear. A, it. Yeah, it's a stage direction. Uh, let's see, here we go. It's <laughs> right at the beginning. Uh, it's when Ron is trying to perform a like I think it's like a, a muggle magic trick. Um, yes. Yes. And he, it's basically just a, a big old dad joke, like stole your nose kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but then the stage direction after he does it is goes, his hand is empty it's a lame trick everyone enjoys its lameness <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like real like you use the word lameness i mean apart from like eh, pl- lame not being a great word yes to use, well that's also like, 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 true. yeah yeah but it's just like that was the weirdest stage direction <laughs> just, and, and of course the sorting hat being an, played by an actual person which again i'm sure is great on stage and a good solution there but really funny to read yes
0: where they're like sitting on someone's head i guess like a very odd visualization yeah i mean i just kind of there. imagine
1: probably someone in one of those like like unitard like black kind of suits with a hat that they're <laughs> yeah right hat is just floating and I don't
0: the stage equivalent of like a green screen how you know they yeah, do stuff yeah like that. uh tell us about the hpa before we get, get you out of here yeah, we yes. want people to know about what you guys do
1: Absolutely. So, the Harry Potter Alliance we're a nonprofit that turns fans into heroes. Uh, we've been around for about eleven years, and basically, we use Harry Potter as well as other popular culture to mobilize fandoms towards social action. Uh, we have, you know, we work on all sorts of issues, everything from disaster relief to funding the protection of civilians to literacy to. Uh, LGBTQIA rights, and uh, mental health, economic inequality. We do all sorts of things. Uh, One of our biggest successes recently was working with Warner Brothers to make all licensed Harry Potter chocolate around the world ethically sourced. Um, And basically we do all of this using our methodology of taking parallels and um, that great fan enthusiasm and organizing power and creativity uh, to make real world change. And we've got chapters all around the world in. 35 nations um, so if you want to join a chapter or just get involved online you can check us out at thehpalliance.org or follow us at the HP Alliance on any social media we uh, we love working with book ride and book bookish people <laughs> so please get involved we'd love to have you
0: Jack thank you so much congratulations to the Harry Potter community for making it through Harry Potter and <laughs> the crew. we made it we're here everything's all is well
1: all, all is, well. is well all is I well thank you for having me on